Hi, good evening. Welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight our title for our program is Why, Why, Why? You've all been, if you've been around children at all, you end up having those questions where they ask you a question and you answer it and then they say why and and eventually you run out of possibilities of answering. You can't answer all the whys. It's It gets a little annoying. And finally you say, because. Because I said so. And. Just because that's the way it is. I will say, the reason why we're doing this podcast, because uh, I read that, that verse, um, uh, Proverbs 25.2, is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. And then the message says it like this, and I like this. God delights in concealing things. Scientists delight in discovering things. And we were talking about this yesterday or two days ago. And I said, you know, I don't know if we could do a whole podcast on that. But but Shannon said, yes, we could. I think we can. And I, think, I, th- I think we can because one of the biggest challenges for us as humans is understanding the why of God. That's something that we desire, we seek. And whether that is why did God make flies or uh, why is why does God allow suffering? You know, there are so many times that we, we come up upon these questions and in our judgment, we think something should not be that is. Right. Well, it started when I asked, well, why does God like to hide things, to conceal mm-hmm. another? And I, after reading a lot of stuff... And thinking about it and looking at verses, I came up with a list. Oh, no. That's not possible. Jane's got a list. I've got a list. i got seven reasons. Oh, my goodness. I think God likes to conceal things. Well, let's see. Go ahead and give it a shot. Well, what do you want to talk about first? Go ahead. Okay, okay. We'll see how your list goes. Well, I do want to... Don't get mad if I interrupt. No, you interrupt as much as you want. Okay. I do want to say in Daniel 2.29, God is called... He who reveals mysteries. That's his name. And then Daniel 4.22 says, It is he, God, who reveals the profound and hidden things. And I think, first, I think God delights in concealing things, so we will go on the hunt for answers. That when we find it, we're like, wow, it's God. That's why. But that's the, possible. Oh, that's number one, kind of. I said it like this. Why does God love to conceal things? One, it promotes the search for truth and for him. And when we find truth, if our truth about anything, and if our heart is open, we will find God. I think that's true. I think, I think that God wants us to seek him. Yes. And um, if it was easy, how hard would we seek if it was if it was a simple thing that was obvious, it wouldn't. Un- What's people, the point? Yeah, people wouldn't be passionate about it. But I think the other thing that is involved here that we always have to remember is that God requires faith, mm-hmm. and faith is not something that is gained by knowledge. Right. Faith is not a head thing. Faith is a heart thing. And I think of Matthew six thirty three that says, mm-hmm. "Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you." And I think when we need to know answers, God will reveal things. But this, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. I'm reading this book, and I, 
I'm going to recommend this book. I'm halfway through. It's called Love Big, Be Well, Letters to a Small Town Church. And it's a fiction book. Okay. But the premise is is that this pastor gets hired on to be the pastor of this 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 church that's been there for a long time. And they start communicating in letters. And even when his he and his family move to town, that he just continues to communicate to them in letters. I don't know how that would really work in real world, but his letters are very insightful. And I just want to read just a little bit about... This okay. is about mystery. Go ahead. Okay? Go ahead and read. Okay. If... Okay, he has this person ask him, one of his congregation members, and he comes up to him and he says, I've always thought sermons were supposed to clarify things, but your sermons usually raise a whole new slew of questions. And then he... Then the pastor says... If I ever preach a sermon recounting the story of Abraham with his furious tears and his trembling knife raised over dear Isaac, if I tell you such stories and I have no quietness in me, no hint of confusion or reverence, then trust your intuition that something's not right. I may be handing you the facts, but I'm missing the wonder. That he's saying I might have delivered a sermon, but I have not offered you God. That's something else I... Well, and I I think that's part of that's true, is that God wants to to uh, cultivate that wonderance. But I also think um, if we knew all that we want to know, we couldn't handle it. Well, that's true. I hate too. to quote a movie, but, you know, we can't handle the truth. Um, if well, we, if we truly understand A Few Good Men. Oh, oh, I didn't see it. If we truly understood the nature of God's relationship with us, we could not handle it. That if is my number If we truly understood... The pain that sin has caused, and the fact that we truly are the source of that, we would not be able to handle that kind of that kind of responsibility. So it's for our protection. Yes, in some sense. In some sense, I think it is. I think it's for protection. Oh, and here, this is something I wrote when I was reading this book. Mystery gives God room to act. Okay. And then I wanted. Let me read these three sentences from the same book. Intending to give clarity. He's talking about the facts and not the mystery. Intending to give clarity, instead I strip away all the mystery, leaving nothing but a carcass text and a skeleton congregation. I want to do better than that. If we have no quiet, no moment where our proclamations and conclusions and energies cease, then we really have no room for God. In worship, if we are never bewildered, terrified, or left speechless and silent, if our minds never wobble under the weight of some great mystery, then we've dismissed God from the picture. And I think Christianity in and of itself has a, has a problem with that. I think we really do. Okay, let me... I have oh. a problem with... Um, as a pastor, I have a problem with what I kind of call coloring book Christianity. Yes, or pat answers. Well, yeah, pat answers, or just the, the fact that all I know is, is are the, the facts. I know the basic, simple story. I don't understand the reasoning behind it. I don't want to know the reasoning behind it. Leave me with just the basics. Noah had an ark and two by two. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to Noah's story than that. And there's a lot more for us to go into than than a elementary Sunday school version of Christianity. And God has all those things out there for us to discover and to dig into. And I think that whether it's a, a laziness or whether it's fear of understanding things you don't want to understand. Mm-hmm. I think it's a real challenge for us as, as Christians sometimes to understand that we won't understand it all, but we can understand more than we do. Mm-hmm. We can keep growing and learning. 
you know, someone I, recently I heard someone say, you know, your comfort zone is a wonderful place, but nothing grows in it. Hmm. Who did say that? I, I don't it remember too. it, but I remember did hearing that. Did you share that. that on Sunday? Maybe. Maybe but it's just one. I, I love that statement simply because so much of the time we want to be comfortable by having all the knowledge. If I know exactly why something's happening, I'll be fine. God says, no, you'll never understand what's happening. And I don't think our minds can grasp it either. I think it's beyond what we can even imagine. Yeah. The complexity and the diversity and the, the knowledge of God's plan is way beyond us. I, I got a really interesting article from okay. Desiring God Wait, here. Can okay. I say, yes. I just want to say the author of that book is a Wynn Collier. Okay, That's, okay go right. ahead then. Okay. This is an article by John Bloom on Desiring God. Okay. And he talks about um, the fact that some things we can't, we just can't explain. Some things are very hard for us to understand. And even even in Christianity, uh, he, he brings up the Trinity. Mm. You know, over the past two millennia, the greatest theological minds in the world have tried to come up with a good explanation of the Trinity, and you can't. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever given a true well, no, we can't explanation that we can understand because that's not where it comes from. We don't know how it works, mm-hmm. but we know that it does work. That's faith. Okay. Right. And he goes on to, to give an example, and I thought this was, this was really neat. Um, classical physics, Newtonian physics, was considered at the time to be an earth-shaking thing. Once they figured that out, they could predict the future, um, measure everything. Everything could be figured out through Newtonian physics. Everything was, was open to the world through the, at, at the time of the Enlightenment. They thought this was, this was it. Now that we've conquered physics, we have it all. Mm-hmm. But then, turning towards the 20th century, we get quantum physics. Right. We find things, we find particles within particles. We find pieces within pieces. We find depth in there. And one of the wonderful things about quantum physicists is they don't know all the answers, and they love the fact that they don't know mm-hmm. all the answers, and they don't want to know all the answers. Um, a quote he has here, is, and he says, no one's ever been able to... Um, it's been attributed to so many people he doesn't know who it is. But this is a quote from a, physis- a quantum physicist. says, not only is the universe stranger than we think, it is stranger than we can think. Mm-hmm. It is beyond our comprehension, some of these things. And, you know, I think of it kind of like Moses. Um, Moses and God. When God was going to physically reveal himself to Moses, and Moses was terrified that it was going to be too much, he couldn't. And God says, well, I'll just let you see the back of me. Just that little piece. Mm-hmm. And when he did, it says in the Bible that Moses' face was glowing afterwards. It was more than he could handle. He could not look upon God. Mm-hmm. And he knew he couldn't handle it. And God said, I'll give you a little glimpse. Well, God said, you can't handle it. Right. I don't think Moses knew he could I'll couldn't. give you yeah. a little glimpse. Mm-hmm. Just a little piece. And it overwhelmed. What The little piece that he had overwhelmed him. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think God in some ways is... is Blessing us by not giving us the reasons for everything. Okay. It also, it promotes our relationship with him. It does. Like if you want to learn about someone, you have to listen to them. You have to spend time with them. Um, But even more so, I think you have to trust. Yeah. And what's the trust? If If you can verify everything, is there really trust? If you can verify absolutely everything... Is there trust? 
No, because you can prove it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to trust someone. You, if someone's going to say something to you and, and, and say how they feel, and you can verify that they feel that way, then it has no meaning. It has no purpose. And I, I think the, the quest is supposed to be, it's that love of learning. And there's so much to learn. That's not one of my points. I guess it right. could be number eight. But um, my third point, it puts us dependent on him. It's, and that's the safest place to be. Especially if it's a, a big life thing that's going on and we can't grasp it and we just have to hold on tight. And maybe uh, enlightenment co- doesn't come till later when it's all done with. But in the midst of it, when we don't know what's going to happen, we have to de- depend on him. Or otherwise, we'd probably go crazy to be able to just, or we'll be so stressed out we can't even cope. Well, that's one of the that's one of the interesting things I think about Christianity is Christianity is the one philosophy, if you want to call it that, that explains that evil exists. Mm-hmm. No, no one else. If if someone is is not a believer in God. And a lot of atheists will throw things out and say, well, if, that's ha- if this is here, why is this here? If this is here, why is this? If there's a God, why does he do these things? The concept within Christianity is the fact that, yes, God exists and evil exists. And evil has an influence on us. And God can have an influence on us. And so there's a piece in that, too. It's just simply because we have enough of an explanation to have faith. Mm-hmm. We have enough of an explanation to say, I believe it because God said it, and we can mm-hmm. leave it alone at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bible says uh, in uh, Romans eight twenty eight says, "We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose." So everything in your life, sorry, God is using as part of His plan. Mm-hmm. And if that is pain, if that is suffering, if that is loss, that's still part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. There's still, and you don't need to know what the plan is. You just trust that it's there. You know, we, as children, we have that. And I, I, I've said this before, and I think it goes back to this. Um, when when uh, Jesus said we have to be like the children, children don't have to know the why of everything. They'll ask you, mm-hmm. but they don't really have to know. And they know they don't have to know. They just trust you mm-hmm. explicitly that you, you're going you're gonna to do the right thing in their lives. And I think that's what God is looking for. He is looking for us to say, trust me. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, be still and know that I am God in Psalm 46. Just be still and know that I am God. You are not. Mm-hmm. You can't be God. You couldn't handle it. Just be still. Be at peace. Relax within the fact that you don't know, but it's okay. I think that's where we need to be because we all live with the unknown, but most of the time we don't think about that. Like, death. Any one of us could die in the next minute. You know, I, I mean, we never know when death is coming. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Um, there's so much we don't know. But And if we start focusing on what we don't know and we're trying to control it, we can't control it. But if we learn to be at peace with the unknown, there is a sense of awe and wonder that can come about. And I have a... Uh, this is a, a quote from Eugene Peterson. It says, Life keeps taking place before our eyes in ways we cannot anticipate through a process we ourselves cannot take credit for. 
There is always a sense of awe and wonder and gratitude in this most common of events. He's talking about a baby being born. Uh-huh. Birth is common. It is also a mystery. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I apologize if I offend a scientist. Well, I guess I don't. Um, a scientist can sit down and read a, a, a biology textbook to me and explain to me exactly how birth happens. Well, this happens, you know, the sperm fertilizes the egg and the embryo and all these other things. You can sit down and explain that to me, but that still does not explain the mystery of the mystery of, of, of life. Yeah. Because no matter what science thinks they know, there's two things they have never done. And those two things are create matter from nothing. Mm-hmm. Only God has been able to do that. And number two is create life from nothing. From nothing. Yeah. And God is capable of doing that. So when we look at the complexity of uh, even the human body, I mean, we have mapped out the human genome. And all we learned when we mapped out the human genome is that we don't know anything about it. Even though we have a map of it, we still don't know anything about it. We're gaining, mm-hmm. we're gaining more knowledge. And I think that's direct re- revelation from God. I think God shares things with us. I think that's what Ooh. it is. And I have a verse about that, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Mm-hmm. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. And when I read that, I'm like, how does that relate to what you just talked about, the genome? But it does, because once God gives us new knowledge, like if I'm a scientist and I find that out, it does belong, that knowledge now belongs to me too, because I know it. And what it's supposed to do, the new knowledge we get, the new understanding, the new truth, is always to get us back to God. Like, oh, Lord, you are amazing. And help us observe his word. Does that make sense? That's, yep. That we may observe all the words of this law. And we do it in love. Because every new thing we learn. And there's so much just on our planet. And in the deep depths of the ocean. And in the jungles. and of, That people don't even know yet. And we know so much. But there's so much we don't know. And every new, every new discovery could bring that person, whoever discovers it, Closer to God. And that's what it's supposed to do. And I think we need to look at it from that perspective. And I, I, I would love it if, if our scientific world will look at it from that perspective. Yeah. In, in the perspective of, let's say, I am just learning still the internal combustion engine. I'm still working. Every time I work on a car, I'm learning something. Mm-hmm. Those aren't discoveries. Except in my own mind. Right. The only discovery going on is the fact that I didn't know that knowledge before. Not that the knowledge didn't exist. Right. Because someone else built that. Yeah. So someone has in, intense knowledge of that. I'm just learning a little piece of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I can claim I have made a discovery, but that is only a discovery in my own mind. It's not right. a discovery in the concept. So for science to say they discover something... You can't discover something that already exists. It's like when the colonists came across to America. the Western Hemisphere yeah. and said, Ha ha, I've discovered a new land, and there was somebody looking at him at the time. <laughs> How could you discover something where there's someone right. already there? But it's, it's the that, same thing. Right. Now, it's, the search for understanding of that is awesome. And I think that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to seek out those, the understanding of things. 
But the problem comes when, as humans, in our own hubris, we start saying, I discovered, I discovered this. But I am you, the one who knows the most about this. Couldn't you say it's a personal discovery? Yes, it's a yeah. per, that's what I said. It's, it's a, a personal, personal discovery. discovery. But for someone to, someone to claim that, you know, they, are, they have something, they have knowledge no one else has, when all they're doing is looking at someone else's handiwork. Right. That is the ultimate in, in ego. Mm-hmm. And we have to watch ourselves because the minute you think you got it figured out, you know, we think of, going back to physics, we think of, of the most famous physicists we can think of that are the best-known ones in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we think of, of... Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Or um, even... Uh, Einstein. Einstein, Albert Einstein. Well, the quantum physicists will tell you Albert Einstein was wrong about just about everything. They disagree with him on things. Mm-hmm. Stephen Hawking, who people thought think is just one of the most incredible he minds, died. he was a very intelligent man, but none of his none of his intellect could get him one more day on this earth, and none of his intellect could even heal his physical maladies. So for us to take Knowledge is something that is human, I think, is, is a fallacy. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is God, and God allows us to see things. Sometimes we get to see behind the curtain, and that's a wonderful thing. Don't discount the fact that you get to, you personally discover somebody else's creation. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I have a, a quote from a Reverend Chris Alderman. He's okay. a pastor of Little Rock Baptist Church in Little Rock, South Carolina. And this was in um, Dillon, it's in Dillon County, and this was in a newspaper of theirs. And he said, the Lord Jesus Christ, God wrapped in flesh and concealed from the world. His truth is concealed for us, not from us. But how that in itself is Jesus being wrapped in flesh, being 100% human, 100% God, that is the ultimate mystery. Yeah, that's it. It's an impossible. It's an impossibility in our world. Yeah, it's a possibility in God's, but right. it's an impossibility in our world. And not only the fact that it could happen, it did happen, but the fact that God wanted that to happen. Why did God want that to happen? It's beyond our human comprehension. Right. It's beyond our cu- human comprehension why God cares about us at all. But that's beyond our human comprehension. But He does. So it's for us, it's hard to grasp a hold of things in a concrete way. If you want a black and white concrete, I can hold it in my hand, therefore it's real. We can't grasp those things in our own minds to the point where we can understand God. Uh, the, another quote from the guy that wrote that article on uh, Desiring God, he says, Paul, after 11 chapters of unsurpassed human attempt to explain the most go- glorious mysteries of salvation couldn't help but break out in worship of an intelligence so beyond, so far beyond his. It's Romans 11, 33-34. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? And it, um, that one verse, I don't have it looked up right now, but Jesus said how precious, how God uh, loved, has loved to reveal the hidden things to, like, the simple mm-hmm. and um, to the, the wise of the world. He's hidden them. 
but it's because they're looking at it. we got to be, like, totally reversed. Like he says, come like children. We have to have that open wonder, and we really have to humble ourselves because, like you brought up that, how we see a science, we make a scientific discovery or we learn something or we're really good at something and we put arrogance into it that like wow i'm i'm really smart and if we have that kind of attitude there is no way we can see god or see his creation or see things the way god uh god wants us to see okay i wrote a poem i i told shan today i'm not a poet maybe one day i'll be i have no idea but I've been writing a poem every day for the last 38 days. And I wrote one. I, I got the idea from uh, the, the Heaven Eyes that was in one of the, our daily breads. Uh, somebody praised that her kids would have Heaven Eyes. So I wrote a, I thought that was really nice. So I wrote a poem that's kind of like a prayer. And you are all free to pray for your own children this. And I just used it. To pray for, I said son, but obviously it could be a daughter or whatever. So I'm going to read it. This is number 31 on my number 31 poem. Again, I'm not a poet, but I like this one because it's a prayer. Give my son heaven eyes, eyes that see truth, eyes that are open, honest, vulnerable, real. Give my son heaven eyes, eyes that see you. Isn't that nice? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not a poet. But well, apparently you are. You wrote a poem. I, well, okay. By definition, you're a poet. Okay. I think the passage you were thinking about when you were talking about Jesus is yes. in Matthew 11. Okay. Matthew 11:25. He says, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, That's right. because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to ch- little children. And Paul goes in 1 Corinthians and says basically the same thing. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Mm-hmm. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to take joy in absolutely everything. I, uh, okay. well, I, I agree. I, how can you... If you understood the concept of the hollow bones mm-hmm. and the way feathers interact with the earth and with air mm-hmm. would that diminish your ability to just sit and marvel at watching a hawk in flight no I don't it wouldn't diminish mine it doesn't diminish mine whatsoever yeah so if an evolutionist has to try and explain hollow bones on birds uh-huh. um, I think he's just grasping at the straws I think it's all theory because in the end, that's the way God wanted it. It's good enough for me. And I get to yeah. watch a hawk fly in the air. And the wonder that I have of that is it, I find it fascinating to know yeah. that they have hollow bones. I find it fascinating the first time I held a hawk in my hand that they didn't weigh anything yeah. for the size of the animal. And the, and the power yeah. behind them. Yeah, and the power behind that animal, and they weigh less than right They're around like a pound. pound. Well, some of them are up to three pounds, I the think. The big ones, yeah. But I held one in my hand that was scary. Yeah. The talons were so sharp, and the, there was such an intense curiosity in the eyes. I mean, it was a it was a powerful thing, and it weighed nothing in my hand. And the funny thing, that thing that weighs nothing, a pound or two, could kill you. And it's it's just an amazing thing. And it's the same thing. I am fascinated by 
by DNA and cellular structure and those things. I'm not discounting the knowledge. I think the knowledge is wonderful, and I think it's cool to know those things. Mm-hmm. When I find something I learned, I love to learn. And when I learn something, I think it's an awesome thing. But that does that has never taken me away from the concept of the fact that there's someone who created that in the first place, mm-hmm. specifically, intentionally, the way it is. I think also, and I, I want to go back to one of my points. Where did we go? I don't you guys know. will remember this. I don't know. It's here. Okay. Oh, why, why, why? Yes. Okay. The point about um, uh, it puts us dependent on him. It's a safe place to be. It's for our protection. Actually, that's three, two points that I wrote down, but you could put them together. In that, I think a lot of times when we start asking why questions and and we're asking those why lord and it it's it's when we're really hurting and we can't understand someone we love suddenly died or someone we love suddenly is in such pain for some tragedy that happened in their life or 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 things aren't working out and we're in a horrible it feels like a horrible spot and we can't get out and and those times in life and we all have them and we'll have more of them because this is just life on earth but I think it's those times when we really go, why, 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 Lord, can't you fix this right now? And I think that's when we need to realize when we are talking to God and we're asking the why questions and he doesn't say anything, and he's just kind of wanting us to rest in him because we need to know, okay, I can rest in him and he's going to help me figure this out. He always does. We... um and I, I will say this was, we weren't, we weren't in a why, why, why moment where like, Lord, why is it happening? Da da da. But this is just cool how things work out. We we've had a lot of vehicle issues for several months, and and it's just been crazy. And I remember right before God brought some solutions, I was just like, ah, for about two minutes, I was just like, Lord. Okay, I don't ask for a lot. I just want my car to work. It's it's you know fourteen years old. I just want it to work. And and um, Shannon remembers my tantrum. And then I felt bad, you know, about it. And and um, and then God worked it all out. He he led us to the right people. He provided the funds that we needed to pay for repairs, and all of it from unexpected places. And I and it was not even how we were praying we just like lord we just need our vehicles to work and and be reliable and then all of a sudden he worked it out in an incredible way and i know people i know one person wrote me a letter thinking she heard we had first one vehicle down then we had two vehicles down and then she heard we had three and she's like i think in her in the letter she was kind of reforming like well maybe you need to get some different vehicles you know probably trying to and that that probably sounded like the thing we should have done but i we were just waiting on god and, well, and there were things we couldn't do and things and god worked it out and the difference between a faith relationship with god and a knowledge relationship is the fact that while someone else was the hand of god in this and and, and provided the repair and provided the help um hauled the vehicle to the other end of the state gave us a check to help cover the cost of things. Well, although those things were done, 
God did all those things through those people. They were used by God to provide these things that blessed us so much. The knowledge part would say, well, God didn't do it. Somebody else did. Yeah. Well, no, this all came from him. Yes, totally unexpected. I have one more more thing I want to kind of end on here. Okay. And this is from uh, Sharon Dirks. And this is on ChristianityExplored.org. She says, The Christian faith makes sense of the rawness we feel in the face of suffering because it says there is something wrong with the world. Things are not as they should be. We live in a world in which good and evil are at play on the world stage and in every human being. God is good, but evil is also real and has influence in the world for now. So at first glance, it seems that suffering gives us a good reason to rule out God. But actually, the opposite is true. Mm. It is only if God exists that our outrage at suffering finds a home. Mm. Could it be that we ask why? Because God is real. Oh, that's good. I love that. That is really good. Yeah. And w- w- is she just an author, or does it not say? Well, does it say she's from well? Zachariah Trust, but I don't know anything about her other than that. Oh, There's, well. I don't know anything other than that. Okay, well, if you're listening, what's her name again? Uh, Sharon Dirks, D-I-R-C-K-X. Sharon, if you're listening, that was an incredible quote, it and was, I thank it you. It was awesome. And, and, and if you are listening, contact us, because that would be really cool to know you are. And, wow, I guess we've already talked over a half hour on this yeah, thing. On something of, we, didn't, we weren't sure we'd be able to approach because, just like our questions with God, there's so many open-ended answers. There are. Oh, oh, open-ended answers. Okay. Oh, boy. So, okay, I please. started her up again. Yep, yep, yep. yep I apologize. This is from this book by Wynne Collier again, The Love Big Be Well, Letters to a Small Town Church. Again, I recommend it. Okay. Uh, and he quotes another book, but it's on page 63 of this book. So he says, I'm not going to apologize for the fact that there are things I don't understand. I'd be a fool if I thought there weren't. And I'm not going to make nonsense of a mystery just because that's what people always do when they try to talk about it, always. And then they think the mystery itself is nonsense. Conversation of this kind is a good deal worse than useless, in my opinion. Actually, he quoted a book by a Marilyn Robinson's home. Her main character, John Ames, says that. And then he also says, and this is in one of the letters to his congregation, it's okay to be confused, even if for a very long time. He told me about a spiritual director he knew who always insisted that our places of uncertainty are our necessary path of disorientation. Interesting. Yeah. I just, this this is a very good book. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right, we're Go gonna, ahead. Have the last we're going to end here. Um, my, as a as a final saying, I would just say, oh, please seek knowledge. Seek knowledge. Go for it. Discover new things in your own mind. Find new ideas. Find new ways of looking at the world. Go through all those things. But in the midst of all that, remember that this all these things from our consciousness to our brain to our our ability to understand all these things are gifts from the Creator. And as the Creator reveals reveals things to you and unveils things to your eyes and to your mind that you have not seen before, just praise Him for the the fact that He is sharing this knowledge with you because it is beyond anything we could comprehend and that's why the world is such a wonder. And life is a blessing. That was good. Yeah. God bless. Thanks for listening. See you next week.